We welcome back Howard Balzer from Sirius XM NFL Radio to the program. Howard, good morning. You're with Kevin Carius and Great Cup champion Eddie Steele. Thanks for uh, checking back into Sports 1440. Great being with you guys again. How are you doing? We're doing great up here, Howard. We're really looking forward to the games this weekend. Before we uh, get your opinion on those, just your thoughts on what's been going on with the coaching carousel, I guess, in the NFL, uh, specifically yesterday with what we saw in Atlanta with uh, Raheem Morris. Yeah, we've got Morris and, of course, Jim Harbaugh this week, so a very busy week that leaves only two more openings now uh, in the NFL. But, you know, it was interesting after all the talks that, you know, the Falcons had with Bill Belichick and everyone was wondering, might this be where he lands, especially considering that he hadn't had any known interviews with any other team, and she really wondered about that. But, you know, Raheem Morris has been a guy that maybe not on the media's radar that much and when – Coaches are mentioned as possible head coaches. Certainly the offensive coordinators get mentioned and maybe more, quote, high-profile guys. But Morris is a guy that has a lot of supporters around the NFL, and not only is the, not only in the job he's done as a defensive coordinator, but just in his whole approach and, and the way players talk about him. And so I think he's one of those guys that, uh, you know, he'd been with the Falcons before, you know, some years ago. And they felt that he was the best move. And so mm-hmm. an interesting move, you know, by the Falcons right now, especially as, you know, they go away from a guy who had had an offensive orientation, Arthur Smith, before he got the job. And while, you know, the Falcons had, you know, a solid roster, they were 7-10 and 10 for three straight seasons, but you still wonder about who's the quarterback. And that will be the biggest question with Raheem Morris, A, who's going to be the offensive coordinator, and then how are they, how are they going to go forward with a quarterback? And so uh, that, that's going to be an interesting one uh, to follow there. But uh, one that you know, maybe a lot of people didn't think he'd end up getting the job, but obviously they, they liked a lot what they found in Raheem Morris. You know, I was watching the announcement on NFL Network yesterday when Adam Schefter made the announcement yesterday, Howard, and uh, Ryan Clark just about jumped out of his chair. He was so excited about it. So do you think he really stabilizes the defense in, in Atlanta? Well, he could. And that, that was a pretty good defense. You know, they've got some you know, good, you know, good talent there. And so, yeah, I think that's, that's going to be one big part of it. But, you know, I, I think sometimes – and I've said this many times, guys, in the past on whatever shows I've been on or when I, I voice my opinion about head coaching searches in the NFL, I find it strange in some ways. Maybe not because everything, you know, every, you know, the NFL is a copycat league. Certainly it's a, lot, a lot of sports are copycat leagues. But it's so predictable every year that when the, the jobs open up, that, ver- that most of the candidates – a large percentage of the candidates that are being talked to are, are the, hot, quote, hot or the guys that are offensive or defensive coordinators. When, I, when I've always felt that teams should be looking more to guys who are leaders, who have led teams, who can set a way to, you know, to, to set a culture and all those things, and it, it doesn't really matter if you're a really good coordinator. That doesn't necessarily translate to being an excellent head coach. And so I think like you said, with the uh, you know with the reaction of Ryan Clark, it just shows the respect that he's had as a coach and as a leader. And it goes more it's more than you know just what side of the ball you coached and whether you were you were a coordinator. And I think it's notable, guys. And I haven't heard this talked about a lot, but hey, so be it. Of the four teams that are playing this weekend, three of them 
are coached by have head coaches who were never offensive or defensive coordinators before they got their first NFL job. Wow. Andy Reid, John Harbaugh, and Dan Campbell. So that should say something, I think, to NFL teams. And yet we very rarely see teams venture out of that, not only not hiring anybody, but not even talking uh, to guys that might not fit into that little box and maybe think outside it a little bit. But I, I do think that, that Morris, you know, perhaps, you know, we'll see, perhaps fits outside it, but certainly you need the support in getting players, all those things. I mean, he was a head coach with, with Tampa, had one winning record, overall not a, not a winning record. So, so there's so many factors that go into whether you win or lose. But the biggest thing, obviously, is, is, is getting the players that are going to help you win. And that, most of the time, is not up to the head coach. We're talking all things around the NFL with Howard Balzer. Now, Howard, just before we transition away from coaches', coaches talk here, I want to talk about the Panthers and their hiring of Dave Canales. Uh, now, they recently hired Dan Morgan as their GM, who was in Seattle with Dave Canales. This move to hire Dave, again, it was kind of um, off the radar type of a move, in my opinion. Is this move solely uh, to really help their young quarterback uh, progress because we know Dave Canales had some success with Baker Mayfield? I, I think certainly that's probably you know a big part of it. I think that, again, speaks to what I was just saying, this whole feeling that, well, you, if you want to develop a young quarterback, you better have his head coach who's offensive-oriented. Well, that's not necessarily – it still comes down to who the coordinator is. Now, I will say this that what some organizations look at when they're deciding between an offense-oriented coach and a defense-oriented coach, that if you have an offense-oriented coach and then you do well, then a lot of times that offensive coordinator is going to get cherry-picked to be a head coach somewhere down the line, and now you've got to get a new one. Whereas if the head coach is the guy whose offense it is and you lose a coordinator like Andy Reid has done over the years, like what just happened with Cincinnati, I mean, Brian Callahan was the offensive coordinator, but the head coach, Zach Taylor, called the play. Mm-hmm. But he, losing his offensive coordinator is not that big a deal in that situation. A, they promoted the quarterback's coach to the job, but the offense stays the same with, with the head coach who, who put it in. That doesn't, that doesn't often happen when it's a defense-oriented coach. If you lose that offensive coordinator, all of a sudden you're bringing in something new, something different a lot of times, and that can be an issue, especially with young quarterbacks but teams a lot of times you know they look at it that way they oh we better get an offensive coach you can develop quarterbacks with a defense you know with a def- with a not with a head coach that's defense oriented but there's you always stand the chance of then losing whatever stability and continuity you had mm-hmm. if at some point that offensive coordinator gets hired as a head coach somewhere else Howard Balls are our guest on Sports 1440. Kevin Carey is Great Cup champion. Eddie Steele with you on a Friday morning. So this weekend, Howard, we've got the AFC Championship, Baltimore and KC. Uh, I would imagine that Lamar Jackson is your hands-down pick for MVP, but this is uh, probably the biggest game of his career so far to uh, you know, slay the dragon that is uh, Patrick Mahomes. How do you see this one kind of <laughs> shaking down in Baltimore? Yeah, it's, it, it should be a heck of a matchup. I think both games will. And but you like you said, it's that narrative that's always out there. Have to win the big one if you're going to be you know talked about in you know as, as a great quarterback. Doesn't mean you have to because we've seen it happen with other quarterbacks who never have when 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 their careers get looked at 
in total when they're done, but it still it still drives the narrative. I mean, heck, I can remember a few years ago when the Broncos got to the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning as the quarterback, and it was actually more with defense as the reason they got there. And there's that narrative out there, well, you know, they need to win that Super Bowl for Peyton Manning to, to cement his legacy. And I'm thinking to myself, are you kidding me? The guy's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer no matter what. And so does, does cementing your legacy mean that you're talked about on talk shows and TV shows as one of the best of all time? I mean, I don't think it should, but a lot of times, you know, that's what happens. And that'll certainly be the case, I think, with Lamar Jackson, who's going up against a team and a head coach and a quarterback that have, you know, have won a bunch already. I mean, Patrick Mahomes right now has a playoff record of 13. His teams are 13 and three with him as the starting quarterback. That's pretty, that's pretty phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And so that's what the Ravens are, are trying to stop. I think what decides this game will come down to which defense plays better, but it should just be a heck of a game, and, and, and everyone just hopes it's a close game, and you, you never know with games, even when teams are evenly matched, turnovers or things like that can change the, you know, change the arc of the game. But I, I think you know, Lamar Jackson has proven himself to be one of the best that there is in the NFL, and like you said, he probably will be announced uh, three, three, was it Friday, three days before the Super Bowl as, for his second MVP. Mm-hmm. Howard, shifting over to the NFC, uh, does the clock strike midnight for this Detroit Lions team? But I can't even really say that, though, <laughs> because this Lions team, they're not a Cinderella story. They're no. a really good football team. So can exactly. they compete with San Fran? Yeah, well, I, oh, I definitely think they can. And in some respects, they are a Cinderella story. And uh, when you look at you know, what, you know, what they've done to get where they are uh, right now, and even in the second, the second season with Dan Campbell last year, they got up to a really bad start. And everyone was saying, oh, my goodness, this, this, where's this team headed? Then they had a great finish and now followed it up this year with, with a tremendous year. So, yeah, I, I think they can. I mean, we saw Green Bay stay with San Francisco. And so I don't think there's any doubt that the, that the Lions have the confidence that they can do the same thing on Sunday in Santa Clara. So, this, like you said, this is a very, very good football team, both sides of the ball have weapons on offense, and that's key, obviously, going against an excellent defense that the 49ers uh, have. And and then it'll be a matter of stopping that, that 49ers offense, and I think the real key in that game is the health and availability of Debo Samuel. Mm-hmm. I mean, guys, we saw earlier this season when the 49ers were off to a tremendous start and they were undefeated and they were scoring a whole bunch of points in every game, and then Debo Samuel got hurt in, their, in the next game against the Browns. Trent Williams, the left tackle, was also hurt, and they ended up winning only they, – they lost their next three games in a row and only scored 17 points in each of them. And then when Williams came back and Debo Samuel was healthy, they went on you know, another great run to finish the season and end up as the number one seed. And we saw it last week. They struggled somewhat on offense – after after Samuel went out, and that was in the first quarter, because all of a sudden defenses play you different when you've lost one of your excellent playmakers. And we saw that Brandon Ayuk did not have as big an impact as he sometimes have has because Ebo Samuel wasn't there. So it looks like I would think he's going to try to play. The question is how effective he will be and then how the defense adjusts or reacts depending on what he's able to do when he's out there. But I think that's a big, big factor in that 49ers offense 
And I'm, I'm sure the Lions are looking at it that way and saying, hey, these guys are excellent on offense, but here's some things that we can, that they feel they can do to try to slow them down. So, yeah, I think that, that, that should be a tremendous matchup, too. I think it's, you, know, you have two you know, one-in-three seed games, you know, one-in-three seed teams uh, in each game. And I think that just shows that most of the time, even though we talk about all these different teams, most of the time when you get to this late, in, in, in the postseason, it's the teams that were the best during the regular season that make it this far. Howard Balls are with us on Sports 1440. One more for you, Howard. Uh, we had you on uh, about three months ago when we were talking about the Pro Football Hall of Fame and you were a voting member. And about two weeks ago, we had Steve Tasker on the show. And, of course, a wonderful career with the Buffalo Bills. And he's kind of inching closer in the process. Uh, where are your thoughts on Steve Tasker um, his possibilities of ever getting to Canton. Well, I, I don't know if if he if he believes he's inching closer. I'm I'm not so sure that that's accurate because mm-hmm. now he's in the seniors category, which is very very difficult to advance. Just like it's difficult in the in the modern day process. And he was a semifinalist, on, you know, many times. That's the top twenty five, mm-hmm. but I'm fairly sure he never became a top fifteen guy. No, and that doesn't mean he that doesn't mean he won't doesn't have a chance as a senior, but I'm on that seniors committee also. And when you, when, you, when you look at the list of players that we begin to pare it down, well over 100, and you look at some of these names and you say, how did this guy not get in during his modern-day eligibility? It just shows how difficult it is. And, and it's tough in his status yeah. as a special teams guy. And, you know, we have one in the top 15 this year for the third or fourth year, Devin Hester who, of course, was a special teams guy, but he had the splash plays, right? He had the touchdowns on punt and kickoff returns that made him stand out. Steve Tasker, certainly a great coverage guy, but it's not like if you're a fan or even a media pro, whoever, yeah. oh, yeah, let's talk about three of those great tackles that Steve Tasker made. That he on made on punt. <laughs> yeah, you can't think of those. And that doesn't mean he wasn't a great player, but it's a little different when you're talking about a special teams guy that's like Hester or like a kicker. I mean, coming up pretty soon, Adam Vinatieri mm. is going to be a first-time yeah. eligible, and that's going to be very interesting to see how his candidacy goes with all the big clutch kicks that he had in his career. So that makes it tough you know, for guys like Steve. And I'll say this, there were a bunch of guys, there were several guys before him that perhaps should have been considered. A guy named Bill Bates, who maybe was one of the first special teams cover guys that ever really got noticed um, with the Dallas Cowboys. And he did what he did while he was still playing on defense. You know, most special wow. teams guys, that, that's pretty much all they do. And, you know, they're not starters on, de- on defense, and Bill Bates was. So mm. it becomes tough as a voter when even if, if a guy's in the semifinals or whatever it is, and then all of a sudden you're picking players that were every down guys. And to pick a special teams player becomes becomes tough. And I think that, that's a part of the process. It'll be very interesting to see if he starts getting some traction in the years ahead yeah. as, as a senior's finalist, because that's the first step in being in the top 10 or 12. And it is 12 that have been discussed the last couple of years for the three spots that are available. So mm-hmm. we'll see you know, if that happens coming down the road, but it's not an easy path. Oh. I'll say that. Yeah, absolutely. You guys have such a tough, tough job. Uh, Thanks a lot for coming on, Howard. Really appreciate your time. Enjoy the games this weekend. Look forward to talking to you uh, in the months ahead. Appreciate it. Look forward to it, guys. Take care.